Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you glad to be free today? Amen, amen. Well, y'all can be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. Boy, that's good. I like that. Freedom. How many of you know that we take that word for granted sometime, and then on top of that, we don't even really know what real freedom is until we know Jesus. Amen? I used to think I was free because I was an American. But how many of you found out that that's not the case anymore? You can be an American and still be entangled in all kind of things, and just as it was back then. Hallelujah. Not just talking about the day we live in. I'm talking about it's always been that way. Thank you, sir. I thought I was free, but I just wasn't. But you may tell you what is free. That is going to be family day. It doesn't cost you a dime. All you have to do is show up, bring your... Marsha told me, said, make sure you tell them to bring their blankets if they want a blanket to sit on or a chair to sit in. And if you want something to drink, you need to bring it as well. And, uh, but we'll have... Did we, did we say we were going to bring ice? The ice machine will be on. She's not paying attention to me. This will happen all server. She won't be listening. <laughs> I just got her on Facebook, too. I mean, everybody. Good morning, people on Facebook. But uh, anyhow, I'm looking forward to Family Day. It's at the end of the month. And, uh, you know, we've got bounce houses. We've got uh, already rented uh, for, the, for the children. It's going to be up here with, by the pavilion. In the ball field, we're going to have a kickball game for all these men that uh, feel like they can still lift a leg and kick the ball, that is. And, uh, and the kids and the women, everybody will have a good time. And, uh, but if you're, if you're coming, and I hope you are, and you plan on staying, make sure that you bring your, your little supplies. You can bring a kite if you've got faith for wind that day. And uh, I do. And that's the only way we're going to get the ball kicked very far is with wind at our back. Amen. But uh, anyway, we're looking forward to a time of fellowship. You know, it's been a year where uh, we can get together and do this, and and we wanted to abide by the laws of the land, uh, what we find in the scriptures we're supposed to do. And so we honored uh, our our government, did what they said, and I'm glad that we're all alive on planet Earth. Amen. Continue to serve in God. But anyway, it's been a year that we can go and be around each other without a mask and, and actually see a smile. Can you believe that? I mean, when you got a mask, you can't even tell whether somebody's smiling or, or frowning at you, you know, or their tongue may be stuck out at you. You don't know. So uh, we'll be able to go out and have fellowship one with another, and, and it's, a, it's a time that for restoration, and I, I'm looking forward to this. Everybody needs to have that fellowship uh, with each other, and it's important for especially a church. Uh, you can watch uh, services online, and that's good, uh, but if, if you but we need to be interacting with one another, amen? You notice in the scriptures, it says in the book of Acts that they met daily. They didn't sit around and watch each other online daily. They met daily, and they broke bread. And they were able to have fellowship and sit down and talk and encourage each other in the things of God. And uh, when things are like we've got technology where we can talk on the phones and, and uh, text. I hate texting, but I do it. Because my fingers, for some reason, I can just, I, I'll just call you. It'll take me 30 minutes to type what I want to say. And I can be through in three minutes. Just, you know, so I, I have a hard time with the whole texting thing. I don't mind. I don't mind receiving text. And I think text is very convenient. 
Like when I don't really want to talk to Marcia about playing golf, I just put down, going to play golf. That's not asking for permission then, is it? <laughs> just telling them what you're doing. No, I'm just kidding. She doesn't get those texts. I hadn't played in a while. But uh, anyway, texting has got its place. But, you know, meeting each other and sitting down with each other and having dinner and all, that's good. Amen? And we need that. Hallelujah. Well, you know, with the, uh, the whole thing of, well, before we get going, let, let, let's just I pray for some folks. Uh, if I'd gotten a text message this morning, speaking of text, and, and uh, they said that they believe that someone might be here or online. But if you're here and you're having trouble with your right knee, uh, in the, the right knee, I'm not in, down in the shin part and the upper part, just, just the right knee area, uh, I'd like to pray with you. Anybody here, uh, if that's you, just slip your hand up. Mr. Horn, I'd love to pray with you. You want to come down here or you want me to walk back there? I mean, the time you walk up here with that knee, it could be made whole. Amen. Glory to God. And if, uh, if you're having any trouble with the left elbow, uh, I want to pray with you as well. I don't know if anybody here is having trouble with the left elbow, but uh, I did something to mine, and it should be fine by now, but it just seems like it's tearing uh, as far as being done right, you know, being totally restored, and I don't know what it is, but I thought, well, you know, Lord, uh, maybe it's somebody else, uh, a word of knowledge, and so I want to pray with you if you've got a, a trouble with an elbow. Anybody here? If not, we'll pray with them online. Come, come right on over here, Mr. Horn. Let me pray with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you heal what you reveal. And Lord, I thank you right now that you made mention in prayer about a right knee. And Lord, I thank you right now that bills come forward and we speak life into his body. We thank you for restoring that knee. We just praise you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for strengthening the muscles, the ligaments, the tendons, Lord. I thank you for freedom of movement, no more pain. And, Lord, I praise you as he's walking. It just gets better and better and better. And, Lord, he'll be walking and then realize, you know what, I'm not hurting anymore. And, Lord, we thank you that doctors and nurses and therapists and all, they get credit, but, Lord, you get all the credit. We thank you, Lord, for, for using them. But, Lord, we just praise you that you are the healer in Jesus' name. Amen. Life, life, life. Glory to God. Now, Father, we just thank you for that elbow being made whole. Lord, freedom of movement, no swelling, no more pain, no more tennis elbow or discomfort. Lord, I thank you is the, that they can move that arm. They can pick up things without the sharpness of the pain. Lord, we just praise you right now that they're not uh, being hindered any longer with elbow pain. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Glory to God. You know, as we were up here singing before the break there, uh, I had, uh, well, start with uh, Candace's dad's here with her this morning. It's Candace's birthday. She's now, she told me she was 17, and uh, plus about 20, I guess, maybe, something like that. But anyway, her father's here with her on, on her birthday and surprised her this morning, and, and uh, you know, I spoke to him early, and I came up here, and we were singing and along. And, and the Lord spoke to me about uh, just blessing you, just blessing you. So I just want to pray with you. Can I pray with you? Uh, can you come up here? Thank you, Lord. There's nothing like embarrassing somebody. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just like, let's just do this, huh? Feel at home, okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, I thank you that you said this. Mm. As I stood there, I, I, I felt like this. I don't know what your past is, where you've been, but God does. I don't know where you are today, but God does. And I don't know where you're going, and where you're, where you're headed tomorrow, but God does. And the Lord told me to just bless you and declare blessings upon your life. Now, Lord, I just thank you right now for this man. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that we're blessed. Blessed in our coming in, blessed in going out, blessed in the city, and blessed in the field. And, Lord, I thank you, Lord, it's his footsteps. Lord, you knew him before he was born. For you are an all-knowing God. You've always known him since even before the foundation of the earth. And, Lord, you know when he's, went, he's missed it and when he's hit it. And, Lord, I thank you that as, he's, as he still breathes today and as he still walks, Lord, you've got order to his footsteps. Now, Lord, I thank you for wisdom. I thank you for clarity and to hear in your voice, to, to turn to the left when you say go left and go to the right when you say go right. And, Lord, I praise you right now for the opportunity to declare blessings upon him in his life. And I thank you that the days ahead are better than those that are behind. And Lord, I praise you right now for good things, good things coming to his, this man. From the left, from the right, from in front of him, from behind him, but most of all, from above, coming from you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Will you be blessed, amen? Hallelujah. You know, like I said before, this is a, a good time. Uh, we've been, as a nation, uh, as a world, really in a lockdown situation. You know, uh, uh, in Elmore County, uh, even the school systems are saying masks are not required. But, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that just because it's not required doesn't mean that uh, some people, if they feel comfortable wearing them, they should let them wear it. Amen? Uh, if they don't, they don't. It's, it's okay, you know, and uh, it, but we should, you know, love each other enough to understand that. If you go to Montgomery, you know, down there, they people, it's, it's still a mandate to wear it in Montgomery. I think in Birmingham as well and other places. Then observe it and, uh, you know, just just be glad that we live in a community that uh, the rate's down and, and all of that's to the point where they say it, it's free. They, they feel good about it. Amen. And, uh, and just be happy about that. But, you know, after being in a situation where you're wearing a mask all the time, everywhere you go, you can't go into a store without having one on. How many of you just walked to the front door and had to turn around and go back to the car? Amen. Everybody here. And I've done it on numerous occasions, you know. And, you know, get all the way up there and say, ah, turn around, go back out there and get it, go back in there. And, uh, you know, say, well, you could have probably snuck and got away with it. Yeah, I, I probably could have. But I didn't. And uh, the thing is, is, is we're, we're free in a sense of having to be being restricted about wearing one, okay? And, uh, you know, being in a situation where you're having to do particular things and have certain habits that, that you've been doing now for a year, those habits begin to become part of your life. And some of you may say, well, I don't even think about it. I just get up in the morning, go out there, and when I get out of the car, I put it on, and I take it off when I get back in the car. I wear it all day long, and, and so forth. And, and we've instilled habits in our life over the past year. 
habits of limiting about going places, habits about uh, how you touch and greet people, habits of all different kinds in our lives. And now things are going to be a little different. It's beginning to change, and, and, and we need to really pay attention to those things. And as I was uh, seeking the Lord yesterday about certain things, this all began to start rising up within me, saying this is how, what, what I want you to minister on today. And the fact that as this pandemic comes to an end, and it will come to an end, he says that people's lives are not, it's not like just a flu season. This is something that has set standards in people's lives. It's set habits in people's lives. It's set uh, the way you go about doing things, mindsets. And uh, whether you were in agreement with them or not. How many of you know you could be in total disagreement with all of it? Well, it set a mindset in you because you got mad about it every time you saw it or thought about it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I know it's none of y'all. So anyway, and he began to, to reveal to me, and he, and he brought me to this particular verse that I'd studied on a few, probably about a month ago. And uh, because uh, when I was studying out about Samaria, you know, a few, about a month ago, uh, the word of the Lord was, the best is yet to come. How many of you still remember that? You need to be claiming the best is yet to come. It's not, how many of you know that the best will come and go if, you don't, if you're not expecting it? You need to be anticipating the best. It's coming, amen? And so, as I was studying this out about Samaria, I made mention to you that the, the siege of uh, Samaria where the, the lepers ended up going forth and finding all the goods out there and how Syria had encompassed them about and they were starving to death, that wasn't the first time that it had been sieged by the, the Syrians. And another time, the Syrians, back over in, in uh, 1 Kings 20, which would have been several years before, uh, Ahab was then the king of Israel, not Jehoram. And so it was his father. It had, had went under a siege as well. And in that particular case, there was 32 kings. It starts off and it says, And Benadad, the king of Syria, gathered all of his hosts together, and there were 30 and two kings with him, and horses and chariots, and he went up and besieged Samaria and warred against it. And as that war, as they warred against Samaria, wasn't just the Syrians, it was 32 other kings that went with him. How many of you know the odds were against Israel? But you know what? They, they went up there, they surrounded them just like they did, you know, the other times. And this wasn't the first time. But here it is, they're, they're in, in, in being encompassed about. And they're coming down upon them and all. And the word of the Lord was, was you go out there and, and fight them. And so they did. And they defeated this great army with the power of God. God was with them. And they went out and defeated them. And guess what the Syrians said? The Syrians turned and said, after being, I mean, all kind of people had died of their forces. And I think in one place, uh, I want to say there were 32,000 went and stood by a wall and the wall fell over on top of them and killed all of them, you know, that was trying to run and hide. And so, I mean, it was a big massacre. And the Syrians said this, it's because the God of Israel is a God of the hills. Not these hills, but the hills, the mountains, okay? He's the God of the hills. That's what they decided, that because of the slaughter that took place, against the Syrians and those 32 kings, it must be that the God of Israel is the God of the hills. 
So they decided that next year, about this same time, we're going to come back again. And this time, we're going to fight them in the valley. Well, the word of the Lord, I'm just skipping through and paraphrasing this to you, but you can find this over in 1 Kings 20, 21. He says that they came against him again. And Israel went out to the valley. And God told him, says, now listen, this is what they're doing. He says, I, God told him, says, I'm going to prove to those people that I'm not only the God of the hills, but I'm the God of the valley as well. And so they came out into the valley, and God, through the armies of Israel, uh, wiped them out again. And so they left with a knowing that God's the God of the hills and a God of the valley. How many of you know God wants you to know that he's the God of all of your life? He's not just a God of part of your life. And if he's the God of all of your life, you need to surrender all of your life to him. Amen? And in doing so, uh, you know, being that there's high places, the hills, and then there's the valleys. And in thinking about that, how many of you know that we need to learn to trust God in the valleys like we trust God on the mountaintops? You know, we've got these experiences in our lives where in these, this scripture here basically is a good one to use, representing that God was the God of the hills and the God of the valleys. And we need to let him be the God of our hills and our valleys. But not only that, but the plains as well. How many of you have ever gone through a rough time in your life? Huh? You felt like you was in the valley. I know I've had my share of them. And, uh, you know, you don't go through your life expecting bad times. But if you live long enough, guess what's going to happen? You're going to live a few times and find yourself in some valleys or some desert places, right? And uh, we know that the, the devil is the author of confusion. He's the author of everything that's evil and that he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's just that's what the Word says. But uh, when we experience some tough times, some valley times in our life, we need to recognize that God is the God of the valley as well. And that as Bill was making mention there in Psalms 23, he says, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We have to realize that God's word, he's with me in the valley. And too many times we'll walk through a valley and we don't recognize that God's there. We're crying out for God to do something and he's right there. Some of us may even be very loud. I know that uh, I've been through some valleys uh, where one in particular, I thought it was Death Valley. You know, as a matter of fact, it probably was because there was a death that took place in me, in my thinking, in my behavior, in the midst of that. It was a low place in my life, a, a rough time. And I remember it well because I always was one that if uh, God didn't move quick enough, I'd just go ahead and move myself. I'd just go ahead and take care of it. How many, anybody, anybody here besides me that way? Well, you know, God, you got to Friday, and then Monday I'm going to take care of it. And uh, that doesn't work real well. But that's okay. You know, guess what? Jacob was that way. And Jacob was that way when he was living at, uh, at home there with Isaac. Uh, when it came to Esau and the blessing, uh, he knew that he was to be the one to receive the blessing. But nevertheless, he deceived his father. And uh, the Bible said basically he stole the blessing. And then he went off of Laban's house. And uh, his uncle lived there for 14 years and basically did the same thing. He, everything prospered because of the blessing on his life. But nevertheless, it was his hard work was right there on it all the time. And Jacob had a, a, a heart of always, well, I'll just take care of it. I'll just do it. 
So for the next six years, he prospered greatly. And guess what? There came a time when he left, and he told Laban, I'm leaving. And uh, he stayed for six more years and prospered greatly. But he left in the middle of the night. And he took all of the belongings with him that was his. And he took his, his wives and, and his children with him. And didn't tell Laban bye or nothing, just left. Well, Laban got ticked off and chased after him to kill him. So here it is. He's, he's facing Esau, his brother, who's already said he's going to kill him if he comes back home. And he's got Laban behind him. And he gets to the river, river uh, or brook, J uh, I think it was the ford there, it said, of Jabok. And at that place, that's where he wrestled with the angel that night. And uh, he wrestled with him all night long. So behind him was trouble, ahead of him was trouble, and he came to a place where, in his life that now he's wrestling with an angel of God, and, and the angel said, let go. He didn't do it, knocked his hip out of joint, and so guess what? Now he's walking with a limp. Up until this time, Jacob was one that would just take care of it himself. But now he's handicapped. Now he's got to depend on God. Now he's got to look to God for everything. He can't even walk straight and, and, and right without pain and all. He's having to look to God. The truth of the matter is he was always handicapped before because he was looking only to himself. And see, that's what I'm saying. That's where I was in my life in this particular situation. And, and you know, it was like I'll look to God when I need to, but, you know, if he's not, uh, if he doesn't show up by a certain time, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I had to learn some things, and that was trust God in all of it. Trust God. Let God be the God of the valley as well as the mountaintop. And that's not always easy to do. But, you know, we've, I, Marcia and I, we've we found uh, several times in our lives, especially in the early days, where it was, it was tough, you know. Our valleys was no job. I remember not having a job there for a while, you know. I was making real good money. We went through all the money because I felt like God said, stay here in this area. Went through all that, couldn't find a job anywhere. Here it is with a master's license, can't even get a job. So Marcia, who was an executive secretary at the time, guess what she did? She, had, she couldn't get a job being an executive secretary, so she had to be a waitress. And uh, she did so. That's what she did before when we first got married. So she went to and was a waitress at Shoney's. And she'd come home in the afternoons and, or the evenings or the night, and her feet would be hurting so bad. She said, just, would you please just rub them, make them feel better. And so she'd take her tips, and, and uh, I didn't even want to count the tips. I just knew by the first of the month we had to have X amount of money, so I just took, just dump them in the box just, or bag or whatever we had it. Just dump them in there, and we'll sort it out at the end of the month. I don't want to be discouraged if it was not very much that night. I mean, that's just where I was at. And uh, we, we know how that is, is to, to, to be in, in a place where you didn't have a job, you didn't have any money. And you know what? We didn't have any food either. Didn't have food to eat. And that was tough, so... That's, how many would declare that would be a, a, a pretty bad valley to be in when you don't have a job, you don't have any money, you don't have any food? And uh, we'd been there. But you know what we did have? We had bills. Isn't that good? We did have bills. We had a multitude of bills. We had car payments, insurance. We, you know, we had rent due. We had power bills. We had phone bills. We had all kind of bills. So we were plenty of this when it came to bills. So we weren't doing without, totally. But, uh, you know... When you're going through that kind of thing and you got mouths to feed, how many of you know it just makes good sense to seek God? And that's what we did. We sought God, you know, said, God, you know, this is a terrible time, and, and if you don't 
come through in this, we're not going to make it. I just don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, that's what happens. And we also realize some other things that when you're going through times like that, you begin to start examining your life. Any good believer that knows the word of God begins to look, stop and say, you know what? Maybe I've left a door open for the enemy to come in and attack me. So you begin to start examining your life. Is there something I've done? Is it something I'm doing? Have I left a door open and, and now uh, I've given opportunity through this open door for a curse to be activated in my life? It's not that God brought the curse. I brought the curse. I opened the door to it. And so I remember out there cutting grass one day and, and I was looking at the mailbox, you know, as the, as the postman come back and forth, you know, he'd come down through there. And I was looking because I'm believing God. God sent a check in the mail. And I remember it well going out there as I was cutting grass with that nice mower. It was like brand new. And then I was about one year old, and they pulled up, and I thought, I'm believing for a check in the mail. Went out there, you know what? Didn't get a check in the mail. But I did get another bill. This one was a phone bill. And I've shared it before, opened it up, and it was outrageous. I went in the house. I was mad. No, I wasn't. I was angry. And I, and I had a few words to say to Marsha, which she didn't really want to receive. And uh, she didn't want to hear, but I was not being very nice. And uh, she had talked long distance. Back then, you, you had to pay for long distance. And uh, we, she'd, she'd run up a bill, and, and it was about half of my unemployment check. Half of the, of the check. And I'm like, and I was stomped back out of the house, you know, after being a jerk. Went out there to pull this mower, to pull the cord on it for it to crank right back up, finish cutting the grass, and it wouldn't crank. And I pulled and I pulled and I pulled and I pulled, and I got frustrated more and more and more and more. And finally I just stopped and said, what is going on? And the Lord told me, he says, you get back in there and make that right. Because if you don't, he said, you two are one. And you're in disagreement. You're not in union. You need to be together. Get in there and make it right. So I had to go back in the house, tell her, look, I'm sorry for being mad, being ugly and yelling and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'd been saved about a year, and I just told her, I said, look, I'm sorry for all this. God said, come back in here and make this right so we can be in union. But if you don't you ever do this again, <laughs> you know, I'll take the phone, put it in the glove box or something, take it to work with me, or, you know, or do something with it. But you know, I went right back out, pulled it one time, it cranked right up, and I learned something that, you know, that if we are one, and the Bible says that we're one flesh, that we need to walk in agreement. So I learned some things about the power of agreement in the midst of a valley. Hmm. And I learned one of the things that you don't do is leave the doors open for the enemy to come in and mess things up. And that's what God was saying. Look, you're in too big of need right now to be the opening doors for the enemy to come marching in. You're already hurting bad enough. And uh, so we, we've had our shares of uh, some tough times. But you know, even when you're in a mess like that, you, can, you, you have to understand that, you know what? We still serve the God of mercy. Our God is a merciful God, amen? And the Bible declares that his mercy endureth forever. So no, no matter how big a fathead you are and you get mad and you pitch a fit and all that, call upon God's mercy, make it right, and stand upon his mercy. Amen? That's something you learn along the way. So when you're walking through a valley, don't walk by yourself. Just know that God's there with you, and guess what? He is the God of the valley as well as any other time in your life. Amen? But then there's those times that are good times. You can walk and be God of the, of the mountaintops. And that's an awesome thing. I remember back in... Uh, 1969 
I experienced a, a good mountaintop time. And everybody likes the mountaintops. I mean, things are just going good. It doesn't, uh, it's like you don't even have to do anything. Good things just find you. Isn't that good? I like that. Everybody likes those times. And uh, I remember uh, growing in the things of God, and we ought to all be growing in the things of God, and expect high times, those mountaintop times. If you're serving God, you ought to be expecting it because that's what God's Word says. Your expectation level should continually rise. And uh, because we serve a good God, He's a God of peace, and so if He's a God of peace, you ought to have an abundance of peace. He's a God of healing, so you ought to be made whole. He's a God of provision, so you should have all your supplies met. Amen? And so, you know, we just realize and we recognize that his, he's our provider and we walk in that well back in 1960 and 1999 uh marcia and i we declared that that year 1999 1999 was going to be an extraordinary year now we didn't decide that based upon anybody else or what they thought or something that you know was a little saying or the time or whatever we decided we got into agreement with God, we believe that God has said that this year will be a year of extraordinary. And extraordinary means above ordinary. Now, we've had a good year, but nevertheless, he says, this is going to be an extraordinary year. It's going to be a year that is above and beyond. And we got a hold of that and said, okay. Now, this was a rainbow word from God. Like I said, it wasn't a word that uh, we just hoped for, said, that sounds good. I think I'll just grab a hold of that and start claiming that. No, we... We had a word from God. We believed it with all our heart that here it was. We've been married 25 years and just believed it in our heart that God said this year will be an extraordinary year. And so we said, okay, Lord. Now, being that's the case, everything in 1999 seemed like it was good. I mean, there was open doors everywhere we turned. It seemed like the floodgates was just there. And uh, we decided that, you know, th this is God. I mean, back at the start of the year. And uh, that particular year, how many of you know that when you do that, you shout praises a lot? You just, you just that expectation is there at all times. And uh, that particular January, I think it was like maybe at the, towards the end of the month, by 1st of February, someone came to me and says, the Lord told me to buy you a new car. How many could get excited over that? Well, I was pretty excited about it, but I, I played it down. I said, you know, you, you don't need to do that. He said, oh, no, 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 no. God said do it. He said, you need to be deciding what you want. And I said, oh, okay. Week once goes by, and he said, well, what would you decide? I said, about what? About that car. What kind of car you want? And I'm like, oh, you don't have to do it. He said, yes, I do. The Lord told me to buy you a new car. He said, you need to decide what you want. And he says, look, if you want a truck, you can get a truck. If you want a Corvette, you can get a Corvette. I don't care what you get. He said, I'm just about it. And he was serious about it. And so I'm like, well, okay. He said, decide what you want. Let me know next week. So I did what anybody that's smart would do. I decided I'd go look and see. You know, I started redoing a little research. And I found what I wanted. He said, get your dream car. So I thought, okay, well, I'll go dreaming. So I went looking around. They didn't even have the car yet. It hadn't been made. But it was fixing to be. And mine was being made. I had to go order it special. And they, I remember when I showed it to him, a picture of it in the catalog there, and he says, boy's got good taste. It was expensive. But I figured if God was going to pay for it, he's got plenty of money. 
So I said, there it is. He didn't flinch or nothing. He said, well, did you, well, when are you going to get it? I said, well, it has to be ordered. He said, did you order it? I said, well, no, not yet. He said, you need to go order it. So it was ordered. Color, interior, everything. All the features, just ordered it. Took me two months to get it. You know, that was overseas, and they had, they had to make the thing and then ship it here. And by the time it got here, I was so familiar with everything about it because I was so used to I, I'd studied. I knew everything about it. You know, I'd act like it. When I was driving my truck, I'd be acting like I was playing with this and doing that and all that kind of stuff. And it just aggravate Marsha up one side and down the other. I'd be playing. What are you doing? I'm adjusting this. He's, you know, but when the day came that we went down to pick it up. And so when that day came, they gave me the keys and she was going to follow me to the house. And I just said, here, you take the car. She said, do what? I said, you take it. You drive it first. I felt like I'd been driving it now for two months anyway. Seriously. And so we got home. We were sitting inside. And she says, aren't you going to go and get in your car and drive it? I said, yeah, I will in a little bit. And so I did. But a new car, an expensive car. How many of you want one? I mean, I did. Just act like you're happy for me at least, okay? <laughs> but uh, got, a, got that car. Well, you know, along with that, still in 1999, it wasn't about maybe the, the same month I, I, the car actually came in, I walks up and says, here, God said to give you this. Gave me a Rolex watch. Now, the Rolex watch doesn't keep any better time than the phone that you got in your hands or in your, in your pocket or whatever. But nevertheless, it was a Rolex watch. Got a little gold on it, silver on it, and all kinds of stuff. It was nice. Still got it. It was a gift from a special friend, and I still have it, but I don't wear it, but I just not into wearing watches but uh i still have that one people will come up and give me money we were in the traveling ministry at the time and i'd be somewhere and people would just come up and say god said give this to you i'd say well thank you and i just pray with them you know stick it in my pocket then the other one would come and say it just happened everywhere i went and i'd come back you know it's kind of like this is pretty neat just people just come up and put money in me i was home one wednesday evening and the phone rang, and a guy called, and he says, look, he was a computer geek, and he had this souped-up high-dollar, high I mean, big-time computer. And he called, and I answered the phone, and he began to cry. He said, I'm not crying but, uh, because there's a problem. He said, but uh, God told me to, to call you and, to, and, and to, to give you my computer. And I said, well, what's the crying for? He says, I was hoping you wasn't home because I told God that if you didn't answer the phone, I knew it wasn't him. But I answered the phone, so he shipped it to me. And, of course, we ended up, we went to, had a vacation in Hawaii for two weeks, paid for. You know what I mean? I mean, y'all like that, right? I mean, every time we turned around, it was something, and it seemed like it was daily. Something was always happening. And uh, we were just extremely blessed. And, you know, God was, that, those are good days. And that was like a whole year on the mountaintop, you know, every time I turned around. And we've had some of those since. It wasn't just a one-time experience. I mean, uh, I think uh, those contractors coming that this never came to church here and built my house and didn't even charge me, I think that's pretty good, but no, don't you? You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a step up from that tent we lived in when we first got married. You know, it, it's, it's a real nice place. Yeah, and then to hear their report about how the supplier suppliers in the in the area the different uh, the plumbing supplies and all the different ones they just all pitched in and and they wanted to do something too and and they all just they didn't even know me 
They just all just start dumping stuff on me. So that's a blessing. I mean, you know, that was a good year. Hundreds of thousands of dollars given to us for free. No strings attached. Just said we had enjoyed it. And they said that was the most fun they'd ever had building a house. That's suppliers and everybody. And they still talk about it. It's been 15 years. And when I need something, I'll go to those suppliers or whatever. And, they just, and, they, and, and the owners come out and they always talk to me, you know, and just give me the best deal even now. And so it was, it was fun. And we, we still have those, and that was 15 years ago, but we still are living a life of expectancy because, see, we understand that God's not only the God that's in the valleys, but he's the God of the mountaintops as well. And we recognize him in both. Say, have you had any valleys since, you, since back in those days? Yes, well, there's been some low times too. There's been some times maybe not to be a financial thing, but there'd be opposition. There'd be different things that would take place. And yes, but even in the midst of that, it may... Uh, all kind of things would take place, but yet God is still God in the valleys. And I found that most of the time people don't have a problem crying out to God when they're going through a rough time or giving God the, the glory when they're going through a great time. But you know what? Living everyday life, most of that is lived on the plains. Just plain everyday life. It's kind of like driving out west and you go through the plains. How many of you know you just drive and everything's flat and it just goes on and on and on forever i mean you could see a rain cloud it, it may be 100 miles off because there's no, nothing there there's no trees there's no nothing it's just flat it's just plain everything looks the same i remember driving through the midwest on, on my way to canada one time and i was just amazed at how flat it was i'd never seen anything like it drive a whole day and still be flat and still no trees, just there. Cornfields, that's all you got. But, uh, you know, that, that's the way it is. Uh, you know, in, in every day, most of the time, life is just living on the plains. And when we're living on the plains, it's just a daily thing, you know. And, and how many of you know that sometimes when we're uh, living on the plains, it just gets to be comfortable. It's just comfortable. You know, you've been in the valleys, you've been in the mountaintops. But when you're living on the plains, it just seems like, well, you know, everything is good. Everything's fine. Bills are paid. Cars are working good. They're nice and work in order. You got a good job. You live in a nice house. And you can even take a vacation every year without going in debt. Things are good. And you can just get in that and just kind of be going. And that's where we live a lot of the times. It's just in those plain places. Nobody's sick. Nobody uh, in strife. House is okay. Uh, you're not mad at folks. Folks aren't mad at you. It's just peace. It's just living on the plains. Kind of like plain vanilla ice cream. No, no toppings, no nothing. Just plain. And when one's living on the plains in, the, in, the, in that place of just being comfortable... Uh, well, you can get complacent. You can, uh, comfortable is better than crisis. Now, you do understand that, right? <laughs> I mean, that's always better, but comfortable uh, can deceive you. Because, see, you're not really having to look to God with a need, and you're not really praising God because of all the blessings. You're just there. You're just living there. And You know, and after a year, we can have become complacent with just the way things have been for a whole year. 
And that's what the Lord is saying to us is, is look, don't go crazy just a little bit, you know. Recognize that I'm still God. Yeah, I've been with you through this whole year of valley time. And I desire to be with you through the plain time. When it's comfortable, when you're not having to wear a mask, and when you're not having to deal with COVID-19 and, and all the other stuff that goes along with that. You know, the thing about living on the plains is you, you can easily become lazy. Huh? You can become lazy. Where before, when you were living in the valley there and you were believing God, you were up at 5 o'clock in your, in your prayer closet in there and you were praying. But now that you're up under the stress, you know, you just sleep right on through that 5 o'clock time, get up the last minute, get dressed, and run on out the door. Oh. God says he wants to be still there in the prayer time with you. He likes the communion time with you. You may have slacked off, you know, when things are comfortable. You slack off on your Bible reading. You know what, I'll just do I'll get that tomorrow. I was busy this afternoon, and I, I'll just do it tomorrow. Things will be good. Uh, I'll catch up tomorrow. I love you, Lord. And being helpful to other people, well, that was something you just used to do. You don't do it anymore. You used to help people. But now life is comfortable. You got a little bit of money in your pocket, and so... You got things you're doing and, and, and you used to help people, but you don't no more. It's just something you used to do, but you kind of think that you still do because it was something that you did do. It's just that you don't do it anymore. So it's kind of fooling yourself a little bit. And the things that uh, you always wanted to do now that, but you never could do because you didn't have the money to do it before. And now that you are a little more comfortable and you got a little bit steady money coming and all that and you just want to do a little relaxing and uh, do some things that you didn't weren't able to do before. Is that so bad? Well, no. I mean, you know, is there something wrong? Like if you were, uh, you're a grown man, and when you were growing up, the kids used to have those uh, gasoline-powered airplanes. Y'all remember those? Some of you might, the older ones. You'd fill them up, and they would, they would take off and land. I think they were attached to something. I, I'm sure they were. Or, but nowadays, you can get them with that a remote control. And you're just looking at that, and you know you see one of those advertising things. You know, when I was a kid, I always wanted one of those. And so what do you do? You go and you buy yourself one. Now, is there something wrong with that? Well, absolutely not. Go buy you one. And then all of a sudden, you're out there, and you're spending your time with that remote-controlled air, airplane. You're getting kind of liking it. And so you're finding your spare time. You're, 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 you buy a magazine. You're reading on it. You're finding out little parts and things like that. And so you're playing with this this plane and and next thing you know you decide you're just going to join that men's group that meets down there at the schoolhouse on saturday morning in the parking lot with your plane because they all got planes and you're having fun then you start finding yourself down there you know on the ball field playing with your plane and you're not doing your chores at home and the times that you did have that you were spending with your family you're not spending with your family anymore you're spending it down there playing with a plane. It didn't start out that way. It was just something that you never had when you went growing up, and you decided you'd like to have one, and so you went and got one because things are comfortable. And what was considered family time before now is family time is, is your wife in there reading a book, and you're tinkering with your plane. Thank you very much for your enthusiasm. See, this is life living on the plains if you're not careful. I've seen it many times where people is uh, 
living comfortable, living on the plains, getting a little bit blessed. They buy a boat. They go to the lake. Why? Well, they start off going on Saturday, but, but then it rains on Saturday sometimes, and so it's clear on Sunday, so they quit going to church, but they'll go to the lake on Sunday because it's clear day. And it starts off being nothing wrong, but then it becomes habits. Like I said, what was something you used to do at 5 o'clock in the morning, now you sleep through. Something you used to do in your daily Bible reading, now you're reading other stuff about your, ha about your, your hobbies. And you're always saying, now tomorrow I'm going to get it right. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with this, is it? Or is it? I believe it is. See, you start finding yourself without that time that you used to spend with God. And before you know it, you lost reality on what's real and what's temporary. Where God was the God of the valley, he was the God of the mountaintop, he was real in your life. And now he's been replaced with something that's just temporary that's going to end up in the trash. And the truth is, is we all need to learn how to depend on God and trust God and walk with God in all three, the valleys, the mountaintops, and the plains. You see, David's messed up. King David messed up. Y'all know the story well. He started out as a child, and guess what they did? They had him out there in the field tending sheep. He learned a lot of things out there tending sheep. He walked with God. He slept out there. He wrote Psalms 23. Hello. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, you know, the whole thing, he, he wrote that from experiencing as the life of a shepherd. He knows what it's like to be faced with a lion and a bear. He also grew up and was anointed, you know, the king. When the, all the family got together and the prophet came to town, guess what? They left him in the field, didn't invite him into dinner. And the prophet says, this is not him. Do you have any more? He said, yeah, we've got one out there with tending sheep. He said, get him. I'm not doing anything till he gets here. He walks in and said, you're the one. Anointed him king. His own family didn't much care for him, you know, for that goes. But yet, when they got through, the prophet left. He went back out tending sheep, the king. Came a day that he goes to the palace. Lives there, gets sent home again. You know the story, he ends up out there facing the giant. Kills Goliath, comes to town, comes back home. Now the king is mad at him and, 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 and because he's basically... Uh, getting all the favor from everybody, everybody's singing David's praises. He gets jealous, starts trying to kill David. Now David's running from the king, who he's sit there to serve. The king's throwing a javelin at him all the time, trying to nail him to the wall, sending out troops. So for many, many years, he's living this valley life. And he's having to conquer this one and this one. And after he gets to be the actual king, you got the Syrians coming down on him. You got Philistines coming on him. He's got... The children of the Ammonites are coming down upon him. And it comes to a time in his life where all of it is peaceful. Everything seems to be going good. He even told the prophet Nathan who came down there to him. says, you know, he says, Nathan, he says, you know, I just want to build God a nice house. I want to build God a house made of cedar. I want to build him a very nice place. He's been such a good God to me. He's a good God to this nation. I want to build him a house. And the prophet Nathan says, go for it. I think that'd be good. And then the prophet was talking with God. And God spoke to him and says, go tell David that I never asked for a house. 
He said, I dwell with my people. He said, I was in that tent with them out there, walking in the tabernacle with them out there 40 years. He says, I desire to be with them. He said, I don't have to have a tab. I don't have to have a house. What he was saying. But he told him this. He says, but you tell David, I'm going to build his house. I'm going to build his house. Because his heart was that way towards God. He said, because of that, I'm going to build yours. And he said, it'll never depart. It'll always be. I won't be like Saul. It's always going to be. So David was like, wow. So God then began building David's house. Things were going great. It was peaceful. It was comfortable. You see in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. And it came to pass after the year was expired. At the time when the kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all of Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Ramoth. But David tarried still in Jerusalem. David didn't go. It starts off and it says, when the kings go to battle. When the kings go to battle. When the kings go forth to battle. Who was the king? The king was David. David didn't go. He didn't go. Does anybody know what happened next? As they were all out fighting, verse 2 says, And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose and went out, uh, that, that David arose and went off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful, and he looked upon her. I think y'all know the rest of the story. He ended up taking this woman, who was another man's wife, committing adultery with her. She becomes pregnant. And guess what happens then? She tells him, and she's like, how are we going to cover this up? The only way we can cover it up is to have her, Uriah, the, the Hittite, to come back home, and, and so they can get together, and everybody think it's their child. And he came back, and you know what happened? Uriah says, no. They found him sleeping at the king's front door. And he said, what are you doing here? You go, to, go be with your wife. He says, I can't do that. He said, all of my fellow soldiers are out there confronting battle. They can't be with their wives. I'm a man of honor, so I'm going to sit and guard your front door. So then David got him drunk. Basically, the next day, he said, stay around, got him drunk, and so forth. Sent a letter with him, says, give this to the commander, Joab, that put him in the front of the battle. And when the heat of the battle is on, Call all your troops back and leave him up there by himself. How many of you know he ended up dead? In other words, David basically murdered him. This is the man that was after God's own heart, the apple of God's eye. How did this happen? How did this happen? See, we don't think about those type of things when it's just a little bit comfortable and things are going pretty good. You don't realize that you can kind of wander to that degree. And I don't think that that's what anybody here is going to do and I, uh, and I, and I, of any kind. But God's saying this to us. We've been locked down for a year. Things are going to get a little bit more comfortable. Be careful. Keep God, number one. Stay up with your prayer time. Stay up with your Bible reading time. 
don't allow freedom to go and to come and to go places you hadn't been able to do for a year to steal God being the God of your plans. Every head bowed, eye closed, nobody looking around. You may be here this morning and you have been through many things of many times with God being the God of your valley. And God's proved himself time and time again. And you know him as the God of the valley. He took you through those rough times. And if things got tough, you would call upon that God because he's that real to you. You may be here this morning and say, I know God's the God of the good times as well because I've had some good times and good experiences and, and I've watched God's blessings be upon my life. Being blessed coming and going and blessed everywhere I go and everything I set my hands to, it seems to prosper. And I know God being, is the God of the mountaintops. And you've been going through things in times past where God was the God of the plains as well. But it's been a year of, of limiting, limitations. You know your heart. You know what's going on. The word of the Lord is, is to guard your heart. To guard your time. Your thought life. Protect it just like he protects it. He desires that time. He desires those talks. And God says, watch yourself. Don't exchange our time for comfortableness. Now, Lord, I thank you that you're not telling us not to have a good time. For you are the God that blesses. You just desire to continue having fellowship with us during everyday life. And Lord, I thank you that as we enter into a season where we have new freedoms, freedoms to come and go and to be here and be there and to do things, Lord, I praise you for you desiring to go with us, to be in our God. So Lord, I thank you today that you're the God of our plains, as well as the mountaintops, as well as the valleys. You're my God. Now, Lord, I declare blessings upon the people today as they go. Mm. I thank you, Lord, that they guard and protect their time with you, their reading time, their praying time, their family time, the things that are real. Lord, I just continually praise you for being my God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.